And now, Virgin Most Powerful Radio is pleased to present Hands-On Apologetics with renowned Catholic author and apologist, Gary Machuda. And welcome, everybody, to Hands-On Apologetics. You have entered into Virgin Most Powerful's Apologetics Dojo. It's great to be with you today. As we're rocking and rolling through the week, looking at how we can best explain, defend the faith with clarity, charity, and confidence. And we're keeping the fun rolling today. And, indeed, we're going to have a fantastic show in store for us. We're going to have Arthur and Teresa Beam come with us on the show. We're going to talk about the Sabbath in Christianity. So we're kind of uh, continuing this series of talks that they've come on. And it's been a real eye-opener for me. I've been learning a lot, as I know you have as well. So they'll be coming up on the other side of the break. And uh, we're going to be diving into even more history on the Sabbath. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be a ton of fun. And as always uh, on the show, <clears throat> on this side of the break, we are going to sharpen our critical thinking skills with the Finding the Fallacy segment. And also we're going to meet an early church father. Today's uh, Finding the Fallacy, by the way, is the etymological fallacy. <clears throat> and today's early church father is a biggie, a biggie not only in apologetics, but church history and theology, is none other than St. Augustine of Hippo. So lots and lots of great stuff in store for us today. So let's begin the show on the right foot. And uh, let's begin by welcoming all of you to the show, beginning with our live stream audience. Hello, everybody. And also I want to welcome all of you listening on radio around the country and also via podcast around the world, either through our handy-dandy phone app or through our flagship website, which is virginmostpowerfulradio.org. <clears throat> that is the place to go, folks. Find out all the great stuff that Virgin Most Powerful is up to. And also, by the way, while you're there, you can select a show from one of the many shows that we produce, such as Hands-On Apologetics and Jesus 911 and so on. And you can download it. You can share it with your friends. And that is part of this great um, mission that we're called to evangelize and share the faith. So maybe you know you have some friends who are Seventh-day Adventists. Maybe you know people who are talking to Seventh-day Adventists and you would like more info, this would be a great show to share with them. So just go to virtualmostpowerfulradio.org, click on Hands on Apologetics, and uh, within a day or so, you'll see this show pop up, and you can share it with your friends. And, uh, you know, pass the word around, because uh, the, uh, information like this is good as gold, and it can help people uh, get closer to Christ and His fullness in His church. Um, let's see if you have any questions for, uh, Arthur and Teresa, you can always give us a call 888-526-2151. That is 888-526-2151. Or if you'd like to get in contact with me, love to hear from you. In fact, I do get a lot of emails and, uh, it's a lot of fun to hear from people. Uh, the official dojo mailbox to come directly to me is questions at handsonapologetics.com. That is the official dojo mailbox for the show. And like I said, it comes directly to me. Uh, there's a number of outlets out there. 
I'm not even sure who puts them on, to tell you the truth. I get emails from all sorts of secondary sources, and which is a little scary because uh, I wonder if people are trying to contact me through these sources. Maybe some come to me, some don't. Who knows? But the best way to, to get a hold of me is through questions at handsonapologetics.com. And I love hearing from you. Maybe you're talking with someone and you're not really sure where to go on an issue. I'd love to. Uh, if I have information, I will share it with you, or I can always pass it along to people who do have the answers. So let me be your lifelines, folks. I'd I love to uh, help you. All right, so without further ado, why don't we go to our Finding the Fallacy segment. Today's Finding the Fallacy is the etymological fallacy. Etymology is basically where you break down a word to its etymological roots, that is, to its original meaning. Um, you know, Oxford uh, English Dictionary is famous for this because you could take any uh, English word and it'll, it'll go back to Latin or Greek or whatever its original language is, and you can find out what the word at least originally meant due to its etymology. Well, the etymological fallacy is basically a fallacy of a faulty kind of argumentation in which it's said that the true and proper meaning of the word is its oldest and original meaning. In other words, if you trace a word back to its origin, that is the actual meaning of the word, regardless of when it was used in history or where it was used in history. The problem with this, of course, is language changes over time. Uh, there's all sorts of nuances of meaning. Sometimes words even change their meaning in some significant ways. So you can't go to uh, the etymological roots and insist that that meaning must be true throughout history. And I think the uh, prime example of this that I encounter over and over again is the word anathema, right? The word anathema is used in the New Testament. It means uh, let them be accursed. However, throughout church history, as language changes, it became formalized, and it uh, basically stood for uh, uh, an incursion in which you would receive canonical penalties for holding. Uh, so it was more of a legal thing. So um, councils would often attach anathemas to those who deny certain propositions of the faith. And that doesn't mean that they're cursed because the etymological uh, roots of anathema has to do with cursing. It really has more to do with canon law. And you can see uh, the same kind of uh, uh, root type problems uh, otherwhere, otherwhere, in other areas of apologetics. So it's not only there, but I think that is probably the most common of all, uh, you know, this insistence that anathema must mean what it meant in the first century, even though it's literally uh, you're looking at cases that took place over a millennia later. Uh, words change, they change their meanings. So that's our Finding the Fallacy segment for today. The etymological fallacy. Okay, let's talk a little bit about St. Augustine of Hippo, our early church father for today. Like I said, a biggie, both in theology, apologetics, pretty much every category, you know, church teaching, you name it. Um, Jurgen's Faith and Early Fathers, which we rely on for this segment, says, if we were faced with the unlikely proposition of having to destroy completely either the works of Augustine or all the works of all the other early church fathers and writers, I have little doubt that all the others would have been sacrificed. Augustine must remain, according to Jurgens. Of all the fathers, it was Augustine who was the most erudite and one of the most remarkable theological insights 
He is effectively the most prolific. If Origen or Didymus the Blind or some other father or writer uh, wrote more than Augustine, the hypothesis by no means is certain. It is now of little account because their works have not survived where Augustine's has. He was born in uh, Numenia in November 13th, 354. Uh, Aurelius Augustus was the son of a pagan father, Patrick, a civil official of Tascest, uh, who embraced Christianity shortly before his death in 371, and the sainted Monica, daughter of a Christian family, and herself a model of virtue, and becomes a saint, Saint Monica. In 371, at the age of 17, Augustine went to Carthage to pursue and advance rhetorical studies. His pursuits there went somewhat beyond rhetoric, and in 372, his son Diodatus was born of a concubine. Although he was, uh, he had been very early a catechumen, Augustine's baptism was postponed, and in 374 he joined the Manichaean sect. Fleeing all the while from Christ, he could not escape. In 383, he finally met a Manichaean teacher, Faustus, who he was disillusioned by the ignorance of Faustus, and he completely abandoned the whole sect of Manichaeanism. Journeying to Italy in 383, he obtained the position of teacher in rhetoric in Milan. At Milan, he was um, very much impressed by the preaching of St. Ambrose, Marius Victorianus's uh, Latin translation of various Neoplatonic writings, also had a very strong element in Augustine's gradual conversion. In autumn of 386, he brought his mother Monica and his son Diodatus uh, to uh, Cassisium near Milan, where he retired to prepare for his baptism, which he received on April. Uh, so, you know, this is the month of his uh, baptism, 387, at the hands of Ambrose. A few months later, he set out for Africa and his mother, having had the joy of witnessing his long-prayed-for baptism, died at the port city of Ostia. Uh, for nearly three years, Augustine lived a monastic life in uh, North Africa. It was during this time Diodatus died in three, uh, and in 391, Augustus, or Augustine, excuse me, was ordained to the priesthood by Bishop Valerius of Hippo. Shortly before his death in 395, Valerius, along with uh, Magalius of Calama and Primus of Medea, uh, consecrated Augustine co-bishop of Hippo, to which see Augustine succeeded in full in the same year. If I do not err, according to Jurgen's Faith Early Fathers, uh, this is the first time that we might have turned a co uh, found the term coagentor uh, bishop uh, with the right of succession. Augustine's writings are no less remarkable than his life, the corpus. Uh, of his writings is one of the most instructive known in antiquity, and the corpus of his sermons is the largest. His confessions, uh, the source of much of his autobiographical information, is in form a quite unique for its time and his city of God might be termed his major and typical writing. And that is our early church father for today, the great St. Augustine of Hippo. All right, coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to be talking about our good friends Arthur and Teresa Beam about the Sabbath. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned.
Now, back to Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Machuda. If you'd like to join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Here's Gary. And welcome back, everybody, to Hands-On Apologetics. And we're going to talk about Seventh-day Adventism, but specifically... Uh, one of its central doctrines of the Sabbath and how do Christians understand the Sabbath and all questions surrounding that and help us do that. We have our good friends, Arthur and Teresa Beam with us. Uh, as you know, they've written several books on the topic, including It's Okay Not to Be a Seventh-day Adventist. They also run a fantastic channel on YouTube, and I highly recommend that you watch it and send your friends to it. Uh, it's uh, You can either look it up as Sunbeam Productions, S-O-N-B-E, or just type in Arthur and Teresa Beam, and that should take you right there. And uh, you can check out all the great material, research, and uh, please avail, avail yourself of it because, like I said, top-notch stuff. So, Arthur and Teresa Beam, welcome back to Hands-On Apologetics. Gary, thank you. Hi. Thank you again for having us on. We really appreciate it. Hey, it's it's always – I always feel like it's a family reunion or something. Right. It is. It is. <laughs> so how are you? How have you been? <laughs> I'm doing fine. Uh, you know, it's Michigan and spring's coming here, so it was 20 degrees with snow just below your ankle. Today it's 40 <laughs> and everything's melting, and then it's going to freeze again. So it's, it's, it's a weird time weather-wise. But I'm doing okay. How are you two? Well – we have managed to go this entire time without a massive COVID infection. And we just got over like yeah. three weeks of battling COVID. So we still have a little, at least I still have a little bit of COVID fog. So you'll have to forgive me, but we got it bad. It was not the Omicron. Our doctor said, nope, that was pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the original one was, you know. <clears throat> so, <laughs> so you got the original. So, yeah. We're we're trying to get back on track and get get our lives back together. So, yeah, it's tough. My um, we we got COVID uh, last year, and my wife still has after effects from it. So, oh, really? I'm sorry. Yeah, so we'll keep you in our prayers and well, uh, get full recovery. Yeah, and your so, wife is full for sure. Yes, please do. Um, so, uh, you know, I've been learning so much. Every time you guys come on, I feel like I should get college credit for all the stuff that I learned. So, so we are, you know, we've done a series of programs on the Sabbath. Uh, maybe you can kind of bring us up to speed with a summary, and then we'll just absolutely, move on there. absolutely. Well, basically, from the very beginning, the Seventh Day Adventist Church was based. Uh, on Ellen G. White, which is their prophetess. And the church, the whole church is based on everything that she had as visions, um, multiple visions she put into book form. By the um, way, this is 19th century. Right. Yeah, she was a 19th century prophetess. Right. <clears throat> and this particular one uh, that we're going to talk about today is about Constantine. We've been trying to follow the story uh, on our uh, YouTube uh, channel. We're trying to you know, tell the story of the Sabbath from uh, Genesis all the way to through um, to Revelation through the eyes of Adventists, right. but giving the actual story. In other words, we're, we're we're catering it to their view of of uh, the Sabbath story, but we're actually, in a sense, refuting it. We're correcting it because they have a very, very, um, just a false history right. about what mm -hmm. happened with the Sabbath. So. so 
Ellen White's epic vision that really is the basis for the, what we're talking about today. Uh, it ends up <clears throat> talking about the story of the Sabbath keepers from uh, Christ to the end of time. And it's a book called The Great Controversy. And <clears throat> it, it, it all comes down to that the great apostate was Constantine. They, he started it. Anyway. He started it. And so they look at him as the great apostate. He's the one that changed Saturday, the Sabbath, to Sunday uh, as a, an, a, a heretical day of worship. So that's, that is what um, the beginning of, of the story of the fall of the, the great Sabbath, you know, right. as far as now when I say great Sabbath, I don't mean the, the Sabbath before Easter. Uh, right. For Adventists, the great Sabbath is the weekly Sabbath. And so he was the one that right. was uh, that, that changed it um, from um, at least in their view. Yeah, in their view, they see him as, as you know, the scepters outstretched. And he says, now the Sabbath is on Sunday. Yeah. And so what Adventists have always taught, and we had this in our studies and, and, uh, you know, we went to Seventh-day Adventist um, schools from elementary through uh, university level. And what you're taught is that every single Christian from the time of Christ Mm -hmm. until Constantine kept only one day a week as the day of worship. That they didn't worship any other day, uh, but this one day is the seventh day Sabbath. And that was the official day of worship for all Christians. And nobody even, um, there was no such thought in their head as to keeping Sunday uh, in any special way. Or any other day. Right. They, they you, know, you know, Monday through Friday, uh, <clears throat> they didn't believe that yeah, there was anybody a, could worship on those days. Yeah, and, or it was evil. You know. Yeah, yet it was actually evil to worship any other day other than that. So, day. so that's kind of the background of the setup, and, and until Constantine came, it was that all all Christians kept only one day a week as the Sabbath, as far as uh, resting on it and then going to worship. Now, for some reason. Adventists have always conflated those two things. They see um, it's not just Sabbath. It's not just a day of rest. It's the proper day to worship God. And in other words, go to have corporate, have it like go to church and have a corporate worship service. Any other day is is just wrong. And so that's the mindset. And so when, you know, um, you you see, I'm not just CBS, and for Constantine, Constantine shut up. Constantine, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll let you tell the rest of the story. Right. <clears throat> so that's the problem you run into when you're talking with an Adventist. They always have this in the back of their head is, well, look, we know very well Constantine. And they, they really look at Constantine as, as, well, he was Catholic. Yeah. He started the Catholic Church. Yeah. That's they what Adventists the, teach. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I know uh, some Protestants also believe, you know, they, they look at Constantine as kind of the turning point where Catholicism pops out of nowhere. Right. 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 Very interesting. Right. So, and they tell about the 321 edict. So, the 321 edict gets confused. 
of Constantine. With Constantine, when when an Adventist hears the Edict of Milan, that's that's what they think of. Except that wasn't the Edict of Milan. Yeah, he he had a the Edict of Milan was in three uh, three eleven three thirteen ish, and that range. was the one that had the toleration for all Christians. I mean, that was the but in three twenty one, Constantine uh, had a second edict, and it was the 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 day that they. Um, that he said, now we're going to have a, a, a day off for everybody. And let me, you want to just read the first line? Right. <clears throat> and uh, this is the, what is this? This is from, uh, let's see. Well, this is the Adventist version of the, the Right. This is what they have like on their website. All judges and city people and the craftsmen shall rest upon the venerable day of the sun. Yeah. And so that's the edict is now everybody rests. Well, it was basically a day off. It was not in any way supposed to be a day uh, that uh, of um, worship. Well, they, well, he wasn't I mean, forcing worship. In other words, right. it wasn't like this day that everybody was forced to go to church. Right. Um, it was just basically a day off. But they interpreted it that way, you know. Um, and Constantine didn't write in English. And so there are, there are many different ways to translate this. Um, and they just happened to use the ones, the translation that the Adventists used said a day of rest. And so then they completely immediately saw, oh, a day of rest. That must have been their Sabbath, which meant it was a day, the one day a week that you're supposed to uh, go and worship God. Right. See, that's how they, that's how they saw this you know the Adventists see this. This well, um, not to not to mention, he didn't say, and all the other days you can't do anything on. He just said right. this particular day, this this is going to be a national day of uh, of rest. Okay, and so that you kind of have to have that background before, mm -hmm. um, you know. And and this we're, right now we're doing um, we're we're telling you what we're doing. In, on the upcoming YouTube right. episode is, you know, we've done a whole bunch of episodes telling the story of the Sabbath. And now we've kind of updated you to where we are. And, you know, that's basically yeah. it. <laughs> so right. did, did, was that understandable? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, so basically uh, Constantine did an edict where he gave everybody off work on the sun on Sunday but this was not like a religious decree or anything like that. It was uh, you're free to do whatever you want on that day. It's just uh, that you weren't allowed to work. Right, right. And especially in, and even the, the people in uh, the fields, the farmers were not covered under this. I mean, it, it was just the people in the cities where he was just basically allowing people to have a day off where they weren't forced to, to into labor. Yeah. And, and you get in trouble. If you're out and did something, you know, with your crops or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But uh, in inner city, they just basically close the shops, you know, for, yeah. for a day where everybody can. Whether you're pagan, whether you were a Christian, you had a day off where, where you could go and worship if you wanted to. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, so uh, the Seventh-day Adventists, when they look at this. They see this as uh, some sort of like um, religious mandate, and very much, very much. okay. It was the first dreaded Sunday law because you know if you know anything about Seventh Day Adventists that you know that their last day, um, their last day prophecy is going to go back to this idea of a Sunday law. 
And every single human being on earth are going to be under a Sunday law, which you will be forced to worship on Sunday. That's what they think. And that Seventh-day Adventists are going to be the only group that's going to resist and say, no, that one day a week is not the right day of the week for worship. That is the unholy day of worship. That's the devil's day. Like if you were to worship, if you're to go to church, corporate worship on Sunday, you're going to receive the mark of the beast and you're going to be lost. So this is kind of like the bookend of this is the beginning Sunday law. And then one day there's going to be an end time Sunday law. Well, and and a little little addition is that that you must they think you must worship on Sunday in the Sunday law out or die. You know, there's some form of death that's involved. Oh, right. Right. That that you will be that you will uh, be martyred. If you if you said, no, I refuse to work on I'm sorry, I refuse to go to a corporate worship service on Sunday. I'm going to go to a corporate worship service on Saturday. That is going to cause your death. Okay. yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Good stuff. We're chatting with uh, Arthur and Teresa Beam uh, talking about the Sabbath and uh, the Emperor Constantine. Very fascinating stuff. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back right after this. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Machuda on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And welcome back, everybody, to Hands-On Apologetics. We are chatting with Arthur and Teresa Beam. And check out their YouTube channel, Arthur and Teresa Beam. Uh, They have fantastic uh, information regarding uh, Seventh-day Adventism and all sorts of other related things. We're talking about the Sabbath and Constantine. And that's really interesting. So, so Constantine's kind of viewed as like a precursor of the Antichrist in a way. You yeah. know, he kind of sets the mold for what's going to happen at the end of time. That's right. That's correct. That's right. So I had two things I wasn't able to fit in. I'm going to sh- tell you now that for that first segment, uh, off of the SDA website, they still have this particular quote I wanted to read to you. It said, the change of the Sabbath as the day of worship Sunday came about in 321 AD, like we were saying, they think that's that's the edict. That's when the Roman Emperor Constantine issued a decree declaring Sunday as a day of rest. So you can see their, their phraseology, day of rest, is always re- referring back to the Sabbath. To the Sabbath. Yeah, the Seventh-day Sabbath. The Seventh-day Sabbath. That, I wanted to add that. And then this one is out of uh, Ellen White's uh, Great Controversy. Uh, this is what, what she said. She about said, Constantine. About Constantine, yeah. He was urged to do this by the bishops of the church who inspired ambition and thirst for power, perceived that if the same day was observed by both Christians and heathen, it would promote the nominal acceptance of Christianity by pagans, and thus advanced the power and glory of the church. They still held the true Sabbath as the holy of the Lord and as observed it, Christians. Yeah, it in obedience to the fourth commandment. So that, so what we're going to present on this next YouTube um, video episode is why we're going to be reading um, the, the early church fathers and a lot of history 
that refutes what they said because they believe that no one had kept Sunday as um, a special day, even as a as you know as the Lord's day. That it was shunned by the early church as the wrong day to worship until Constantine. Yeah, that anybody was a Christian. They were keeping the seventh day. Yes, absolutely. From the beginning. Of, you know. And so this is fairly easy to prove that the earliest church kept the Lord's day as um, um, as a day, at least a day of celebration. And it was not considered the wrong day. And first of all, this is what we kind of we keep repeating every time we're on the show is at, you have to understand Adventists believe there was one day a week of worship. That's the right day. And so if you even were to show them in the early church, they broke bread daily. They had the Holy Mass um, daily. And they that would that alone is enough to refute Seventh-day Adventism because there was no such thing as a day of worship. It was never wrong to worship God on any day of the week. So anyway, um, the letter of Barnabas, and you know all these quotes, or at least you know all these people, and this was supposedly in 70 AD, and it said, uh, we keep the eighth day, which is considered Sunday, with joyfulness, the day also on which Jesus rose again from the dead. And then Ignatius of Antioch um, says that they, uh, the Jews have come to the possession of a, uh, okay, I'm sorry, those who are brought up in the ancient order of things, i.e. the Jews, have come to the possession of a new hope, no longer observing the Sabbath, but living in the observance of the Lord's day, which um, also our life has sprung up against, uh, again by him and by his death. And so that was the letter to the Magnesians, and that's in 111 AD. So very early on. There was, I mean, besides uh, what St. Paul wrote about we long longer hold days, um, th these are early Christian quotes to prove that they there were other days of the week besides Saturday that they worshipped, and they they did keep um, the the Lord's Day as in a special holiness because of Christ resurrected. Now at that time they did not conflate the Sabbath with Sunday. They did not call Sunday a Sabbath because in the East, it was little pockets of, of Christians in the East were clinging on to, to resting on the Sabbath. And so uh, the church gave them that a lot of leeway to do this as long as they were not promoting it as necessary. So we have little pockets in the East that people were, were resting and actually a lot of them were fasting on the Sabbath. And then they would also attend church on Sunday, at, um, the Lord's Day. So it wasn't an either or an or. It wasn't Sunday against the Sabbath. You see what I'm saying? And see, this is what Adventists say, that this is like this tension from all from the beginning between Sunday and Sabbath. Which are we going to? And it wasn't that way at all. Um, now, in the West, pretty much they gave up uh even talking about the Sabbath, that was not an issue. They went to church daily and they didn't particularly rest on Saturday. And then they all, it was more of a corporate thing for them to get together and, and, um, and worship as a group, especially on the Lord's day as a special day, but every day was a day of worship. And so, you know, we have Justin Martyr who said Sunday is the day which we all hold our common assembly 
And that's in his first uh, apology in 155. Hmm. And the desk, I'm not sure I'm going to say this correctly. Didaskilia, and I know that's it's a tie. Yep, Didaskilia, yep. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah. See, I've only read it. I've never said the word. <laughs> so um, again, it said on the first day of the week, let there be a service of uh, a service and the oblation, which is the sacrifice of the mass, because the first day of the week was when our Lord rose from the place of the dead. And then Origen had, has one. And and Arthur loved this. If you want to get this one in, because this is really good. In, in 82.22, in his commentary on John, Origen said, Hence, it is not possible that the day of rest after the Sabbath should have come into existence from the seventh day of our God. So he is saying if they did not follow each other. In other words, Sunday doesn't is not birthed directly from the Sabbath. He says, on the contrary, it is our Savior who, after the pattern of his own rest, caused us to be made in the likeness of his death and hence also of his resurrection. So um, if, if the Adventist church would just start reading some church history, they would find out there is there is absolutely no controversy in this, which I find interesting because. Adventists assumed there was a lot of controversy over whether we should keep Sabbath or not. And it wasn't because they didn't care about days. They weren't being lackadaisical. Mm -hmm. They weren't saying, oh, well, whatever. We'll just let anything go. Because if you do any reading about the early church, there was a lot of controversy over the day they were going to keep Easter. You know, that there were some that said, oh, we're just going to keep the same Easter that the Jews kept. And then um, a lot of the people, uh, including the popes, would say, no, we're going to keep Sunday. We're going to keep it on the Sunday, you know, um, the the first day of the week. And even if it it doesn't necessarily fall um, astronomically on that day, we're going to move it. And this caused great controversy. It almost caused a split between the East and the West. And I'm sure you know all this, but um, so it wasn't that they were being lackadaisical about um, which day of the week they, they uh, were worshiped on. And see, this is what Adventists say. They said, Oh, once Constantine came in and proclaimed Sunday, the day uh, Bishop Eusebius of Caesarea just said, Oh, we're going to fall in line. We're just going to give up the Sabbath and we're going to start worshiping on Sunday because the constant Constantine said so. And uh, there joined uh, the church and the state. And from then on, the uh, the uh, the Catholic Church was then the whore of Babylon. <laughs> it was the beginning of her being the whore of Babylon because now they used the state to enforce worshiping on Sunday as opposed to Saturday. And so what we're it's really hard for you to get Adventists to accept these quotes as authentic. Because what they're going to say, at least in the past, they've said, oh, no, no, the Catholics just um, made these up. Manipulated the history. Right. (laughs) Now, interestingly enough, um, I have a friend. His name is Randy Roberts. He's um, pastor of the Loma Linda Adventist Church. And I, um, in the last few years, uh, texted him and said, "Okay, so. Does the church still, because as a seminary student, did were you still told that these early church fathers were just um, forgeries of the Catholic church to make it look like 
the early church kept Sunday. And he said, no, officially, the seminaries no longer teach that these are forgeries. So that's a good, good. you know, now it's a we step can, in the right direction. Anyway. Right. Yeah. You can start using them. Um, and of course, you're not going to get a lot of the older Seventh-day Adventists to, to, to accept any of these texts. Um, but you will get, I think, a lot of the younger people, you know, they've heard of these texts. So. Yeah, and it, that that's all of what she just said. That's what makes it difficult. Uh, you really just have to to uh, nurture them to be able to be willing to read the fathers of the church, read history, you know, to be deep in history, you know, <laughs> that's it. Um, that's what you're up against. And that's the problem you have is whatever's been said, uh, they're always nervous to listen to anything other than those things that Ellen White's been saying for since the early 18, mid 1800s. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah, I've encountered that sometimes where um, you know, they're very open if you can give them evidence for the Sabbath. I, I met a SDA person who was very interested in Maccabees because yeah. You know, yeah. they refused to fight on the Sabbath. But it, when it came to their early church fathers, it was, you know, the wall went up and they they wouldn't even consider them. But I, I find it interesting, though, because they kind of construct this conflict myth. You know, before Constantine, that there's this ongoing animosity. And, of course, they probably put themselves in the shoes of those who are, you know, trying to support the this, this Sabbath. And then ultimately, Constantine puts an end to it. Yeah. And that's the whole vision of Ellen White was to show how the Sabbath, the true people of God, have kept the Sabbath all the centuries. Very good. We're chatting with Arthur and Teresa Beam, talking about the Sabbath in Emperor Constantine. More to come right after this. Now, back to Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Machuda. If you'd like to join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Here's Gary. And welcome back, everybody, to Hands-On Apologetics. We are chatting with Arthur and Teresa Beam of Arthur and Teresa Beam channel on YouTube. Also, they have lots of great books. You can look them up on Amazon. We're talking about the Sabbath and Constantine. And, man, if you missed the last couple of segments, you missed a lot. So you definitely want to re-listen to the program. Yeah, that's, uh, boy, fascinating history. So, you know, up until the time of Constantine, there wasn't this major theological conflict like you have for the day of Easter, you know, and starting Lent and things like that. Um, people could, uh, people have rested on the Sabbath. Um, people sometimes worship on the Sabbath. But, uh, you know, by 150 or actually even earlier with Ignatius of Antioch, you know, uh, the time for corporate worship was Sunday. Uh, so you don't have this conflict myth that you get from uh, Ellen Good White. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. you know, even if you've missed the first two segments, I would say one of the most important things a Catholic, you know, when a Catholic thinks of Constantine, most of them just, if they don't have a warm spot in their heart, they at least don't, it's just he's a guy in history. And they remember XP and, you know, things like that's what they remember. Mm-hmm. But that's remember when you're talking to an Adventist, none of them think that. Right. So their whole, their whole mind, their whole history, their whole concept of this whole entire co- uh, uh, conversation 
is so different. So one of the most important things would be is that Emperor Constantine's Sunday rest edict, if you want to call it that, was not a law against worshiping on Saturday Mm -hmm. or any other day of the week. And that's that's really important to get that information across to the Adventists you may be talking to because they they don't think that they think, oh, no, no, this was specifically a strike. This is a strike against, uh, you know, Saturday. It you didn't know. demand Sunday worship, didn't demand any. It, it, that, that wasn't the point of it at all. And that concept, if you can get that, at least get them thinking about that would help. Say, you know, at least look into this edict and that it is different than the edict of Milan or the edict of uh, toleration. Toleration. They're not the same. The edict of 321, look into it and see the exactly what it said and what it did. You notice you don't see any uh, thing after that about Constantine persecuting people for going, yeah. uh, you know, to mass on Thursday. You know, oh, well, let's go get them. You know, you don't hear any of that. <laughs> That's you a good know? point. I hadn't thought about and, that. Yeah, and it, it's just those little concepts mean a lot to help get across to an Adventist uh, that is already suspect of you because you're Catholic. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah. Do you think the, and we've talked about this on previous programs, but especially with Seventh-day Adventists, uh, because there's jargon, there's loaded terms. Very much. That, that there is, a, when you say that uh, Constantine had this edict for a day of rest, the day of rest is kind of a loaded term where Very immediately loaded. they think worship, you know, the day to worship alone. There's only one time they would use that phrase, and that's with Sabbath. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, for Catholics who are talking to Seventh-day Adventists, I imagine it'd be best to avoid using that kind of language. Unless you because, have a really good grasp of how it's going to come across, I would yeah. just avoid it. Right. Yeah. So and, go ahead. And just focus on the fact that in the Catholic Church, Mass is done every single day. That is a corporate worship that may not be mandatory, but it's available. And so, you know, just focus on the fact that um, Emperor Constantine was the he was not making Sunday a Sabbath at that time. He did nothing to change the Christian's holy day. He did nothing that did not change any Christian holy days. It just was a allowing anyone, pagan or Christian, to have a day off, and especially on Sunday, which the the early Christians were known. This was this this was a celebration of the Lord's uh, resurrection, and they did come together on that day in a special way, and um, and so they'd been celebrating the Lord's day since the very beginning. So it did nothing to change any day of worship, and so. Um, that's the main point of this next video we're we're going to be making. Nice. So, so four. I'm, 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 oh yeah. Yes, yeah, so, I would um, say that, that though it's, it's the pinnacle of just having a conversation with a Seventh Adventist is is that right there that the law is not what you think it is. Um, well, and and the Adventists are profoundly wrong when uh, they're told that that Christians only kept one day a week for worship. Right. One day was the and one day only is the proper day uh, in the early church before 
before Eusebius. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sorry, and Constantine too. I keep, I always want to mix those up because Eusebius, see that the Adventists believe that Eusebius was the one that that um, promoted this and gave Constantine the idea because Eusebius was behind the, the Constantine manipulating him for power, uh, you know, for the Catholic Church to have power. Right. Interesting. So. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I, I think the the point you made, Teresa, earlier, too, was really good. It's kind of um, the the dog that didn't bark. You know, it's for me in history, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So if you have somebody innovating, there's always people who are opposed to it. Right. And here you have this edict that supposedly installs, you know, the Christian worship on Sunday. Where were all the true Christians, so to speak, that would say, hey, this is wrong and you've changed this and you don't have the right? You know, oh, yeah. it seems like no one noticed it until Seventh-day Adventism. <laughs> right. No one noticed it. And for some reason, they just uh, almost broke apart over the East, the day of Easter. But but uh, yeah, right. they, yeah. they completely gave up the Sabbath, you know. <laughs> right. right. And no persecution related to it either. Yeah. At all. I, I just think. Yeah. That's kind of odd yeah. if it, yeah, you know. right, or even pagans too, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because that would be affect pagans as well, right? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, would they accept, um, you know, the uh, the documents from the edict as authentic, since they would dismiss early church fathers? Oh no, they definitely accept the the Constantine's edict because they. Okay believe that he started the Catholic Church and so therefore anything that they can twist and which they did I mean you just we just read you one little tiny uh, clip from some the uh, great controversy of Ellen White where he she said it was because of greed and power mm-hmm. that they tried to manipulate Constantine into you know making this edict so they could they could get all the pagans to become um, Catholic and and it was it was a, a power grab right you know, for for the church right. Yeah. So they will twist anything in history um, to to make the Catholic Church look like the bad guy. Because it, it has to fit their eschatological right. model. Because if you pull that out, I mean, it's a house of cards then. Well, and, and that's the whole, the entire reason that Adventists were raised up in the last days is because they had this message to right. give to the world that you've got to go back to Sabbath keeping, seventh day Sabbath keeping. And that is the entire reason. So if they lose the bad guy, then what, what's the point of them even um, existing as a, as a group? Right. So, yeah. 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 That's very important. Um, you know, it, again, it's like uh, offshoots from the seven or from Adventism, like Jehovah witnesses, you know, this idea of an end time messenger, you know, the midnight cry, uh, you know, that is the reason is to proclaim Jehovah God's going to come and, you know, and yeah. so on and so forth. So it, it really is uh, a mark of identity then. Uh, right. That That is why we are here is because of this. That's right. It is. It is the new and everlasting gospel. That's what they call it. It's the it's the gospel for the last days. And um it is not the gospel of the uh, of the of Christ and the apostles. It is an addition to. They don't reject the uh, uh, gospel. They just now have an, a new everlasting gospel because Sabbath is now the most important last day test 
um, that Christians are going to have. It's what you're going to lose your salvation over in the last day. And really what we need to really, really pray for and talk to them about are the hardcore Seventh-day Adventists. What if they aren't persecuted? That's a big deal. What if you're not persecuted? What if the Sabbath question never even comes up? Because you think about it, it's like as a pagan, who cares what day? Days don't mean anything, except tomorrow I'm going to work, and then the next day I'm not going to work. I mean, there's there's a lot of bank that they've put into them being persecuted. Right. And what I've seen from from literally as a child growing all the way up, they are looking for that persecution any way they can. And preparing for it. And pre- yeah. They're, they're preparing their young people Absolutely. to be martyrs for the Sabbath. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, very important. So when you approach Seventh-day Adventists, you need to do it out of love. Yes. You need to, to know their worldview, and yep. you need to lovingly like bring this uh, information out and— you know, yeah. God willing, through the grace, uh, they'll be able to see it. Yeah, right. uh, excellent. Um, yeah, the best piece last of thing. Advice... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was the best piece of advice we can give you is that if any Adventist comes up and and says anything about the you know the the Catholics changing the Sabbath, just say, well, you know what, we go to church on the seventh day too. I, and and just be shocked. Well, what do you mean? We we go to mass on you know a whole bunch of Catholics, they go to the, you know, the five o'clock mm-hmm. um, vigil mass on, on Saturday. So that does just enough to just freak them out. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Get the ball rolling. Uh, we only have a minute or so left. Uh, of course, you're going to have this video come out on uh, Arthur and Teresa Beam uh, YouTube channel. Uh, what else have you guys been up to other than recovering from COVID? Oh, yeah. that's yeah. been it. Um, I mean, we've got, uh, we've got to finish the series because it is uh, this series is going to go at least another probably six or seven videos. And so that's pretty much, you know, since he works, um, that's all our time. And to, and to recap, the series is about the story of the Sabbath from the very beginning all the way up to now and the, the end of time is the story of the Sabbath. And so we try to be as very detailed about it because there are those, like we've been talking about this whole time, how they look at Sabbath um, needs to be looked at historically, biblically, theologically, the whole thing. And so we, we are, are trying to do that. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> boy, the hour's flowing. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. All right. That's Arthur and Teresa Beam. Check it out, folks, because they are uncovering some great information that, frankly, I haven't seen anywhere else. So please support them. Subscribe, like their videos. Wow. Okay. Well, it's time for me to shut down the Midwest Command Center, turn off the JoJo lights. Thank you so much for listening. Coming up next, High Impact Catholic Talk, coming at you with the Terry and Jesse Show. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.